Well, uh, it's uh, good to talk to you again. Um, we were going to talk about your uh, uh, cancellation from from uh, Harvard. Uh, what was it? A consortium? Symposium? What was it? Colloquium was the term. Got it. And you were going to be presenting uh, uh, some work you had to do. You'd done that was completely unrelated to feminist activism. Uh, uh, and then the people who invited you found out about your activism and uh, you were disinvited. And, uh, exactly. To, yeah, um, promote the facts. Specifically, they, they discovered that I had written some articles critiquing gender ideology for the online magazine 4W. And they also found out that I was a board member at WOLF, which is Women's mm -hmm. Liberation Front. Um, it's a nonprofit advocating for the sex-based rights of girls and women. Uh, the email that I got, the disinvitation email, was completely direct. It actually told me, um, the person complimented my work, said, I'm sorry that we have to disinvite you. You've done, quote, cutting edge research, end quote. Um, but uh, you you have the wrong political beliefs. Um, here are the beliefs that we dislike, and we are canceling you for those. So I have to at least appreciate the honesty. You know, it was, it was yeah, we, well. are, we are doing this for a political reason. Like, we are telling you directly. <laughs> It's that's 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 truly incredible how uh, uh, powerful they feel, how how arrogant they are about that. Um, that that they would just openly tell you, uh, with with no no concern that perhaps the tables will turn in a few years, and uh, they will be the ones who are disinvited for their political beliefs. Exactly, and the exact same political beliefs because the winds seem to be turning on whether it's okay to castrate children because you yourself are mentally ill and you want to prove that you were always that way, mm -hmm. which is the situation we find ourselves in. Yeah, that uh, great piece by uh, Genevieve on Redux that just came out. Tied oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, a bunch of people sent me that because that was like one of the, the main criticisms, uh, the, one of the few criticisms of my recent trigonometry episode uh, interview. Uh, was was oh how can you just assume that they're pedophiles? How can you suggest that, that these some of these doctors are motivated by pedophilia? And then this this Redux article drops that just completely uh, you know connects point A to point B with mm -hmm. names and and receipts. So it's uh, pretty fantastic. And it's that amazing that, that that you know that doesn't get canceled, right? I get canceled for saying what mm. that men shouldn't be in women's prisons. I get canceled. Right. Um, and I mean you can there was there was a professor at Harvard, notorious uh, you know. He was accused multiple times of sexual harassment in the anthropology department. Um, nothing happened to him. Nothing happened to him for just was there, you know, but I get canceled. You know, that's what's amazing. Yeah, we're, we're clearly living through something where uh, there, there's an enormous push by the uh, most sexually predatory people in our society to uh, tear down the walls that prevent them from being sexual predators mm -hmm. everywhere. They, they just want in and, and, and they want to, to violate whatever boundary they can because they have an emotional illness that, that gives them an enormous reinforcement, a sexual reinforcement for crossing boundaries. I believe that that's evolutionary. Uh, why people can get that sick in that direction. I believe, you know, c clearly one sex is kind of tilted in that direction to start with, but, but a normal, healthy adult male can, can behave appropriately, I believe. But, but if they get sick, all bets are off. And they have this tendency. And so unfortunately, the, the sickest elements of our society, the, the most predatory, the most criminal, who want to hurt the most innocent and the most vulnerable, seem to have gotten control of a lot of uh, powerful institutions and seem to have uh, won the narrative for the moment.
But and what's amazing too is that um, words like violence or, or hostility um, get redefined in these bizarre ways because one of the emails that explained why I couldn't come to speak on campus, I mean, obviously, like if I'm giving a talk on British poetry and philosophy of the early 19th century, how it, how the heck does that, do my beliefs about gender matter to that? Well, the reason is that my presence on campus would create a quote, hostile space, end quote, right? Mm. So my existence, right? And there's no reason to believe that they, that I would show up and even mention, you know, the trans right. issue, gender issue. It's that I, as a being on a metaphysical level, am a threat. I am violence. Very simple. God can't be in the presence of sin. You, you, you've sinned. Yeah, yeah my existence. I, I, I'm like Hester Prynne in the Scarlet Letter, right? Um, speaking yeah. of, of Massachusetts Puritans, right? Uh, they're they're going back to their roots as a theological yeah. institution. Yeah, witch. they. they... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a sinner. Well, Hester Prynne wasn't a witch. She was a sinner. She, you know, alleged allegedly committed adultery. Had to wear the the big scarlet A. Got ostracized. It, it's the same social psychology at play here. Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and they just would like you to uh, ironically not exist. That's, that's the message you're getting is that you, your existence is wrong. You should stop existing while at the same time they yeah. accuse you of wanting that for them. It is, exactly. it is just, uh, they have taken this strategy of psychological abuse and they're exerting it onto, uh, on a societal scale. Mm-hmm. Like, we are all effectively in a psychologically abusive relationship with a person, a self-aware malignant abuser. I think that one of the, the great responses to Harvard. It came from this sociology professor at Oxford, Michael Briggs. Um, he, when he heard about this in the news, he wrote an email to them. And he said, uh, you know, that placating the cry bullies, as he called them, uh, in the short term might seem to your advantage as an institution, but in the long term, it's going to, to damage your brand name. Um, mm-hmm. And I suppose Harvard thinks they're invincible, that that brand name can never deteriorate. But Give it enough time. If you keep doing things like this, um, you certainly can. You can ruin it. Well, at some, at some point, you know, if, if you take a look at my, my series, the Boston Children's Hell, where, where I look at what's actually going on in Boston Children's Hospital, which is affiliated with Harvard, at some point it becomes a criminal enterprise that the government can and should just come in and, and disband. I, I don't I don't I genuinely do not care how respected their brand name is. Mm-hmm. At some point it is it is it is a RICO violation. It is, it is a criminal organization that is doing horrific things. Yeah, and, and it stuns me that it's not considered genital mutilation. And, you know, I would I would like to go to law school, but I haven't yet. So I don't have this legal knowledge. I'd love for a lawyer to step up and do like an amazing talk or a seminar on the laws around this. Right. Like what does what does that constitute? one of these chil- yeah. these groups of children? It should be female genital mutilation to mutilate right. the genitals. Right. So, you know, they're they're trying to, to, to trick you by saying, well, you know, the, 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 the females are actually males, so it doesn't count. And the males aren't females until they're done mutilating them. So it also isn't female genital mutilation. It just doesn't count. But but clearly some some of these have to be females at some point. Mm-hmm. There's no there's no actual transubstantiation moment if you are claiming that the, they are females from the moment they self-declare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you end no, up reading my article on transubstantiation now that you brought that up? That article <laughs> is one of the ones that got me in big trouble, got me canceled. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that article more? Sure. Yeah. Um, we could send a link to people too, but basically I mentioned that, uh, when I was at a summer seminar at Oxford university, there was a Catholic who actually corrected my pronouns when I was talking about the Eucharist and, um, the Eucharist for those who are unfamiliar is basically a, a small piece of bread, um, that is transubstantiated that is turned into Jesus literally completely. It actually is Jesus Christ 
by the mm. priest. So a miracle happens at every mass. Um, I referred to the Eucharist as it, which he thought was incorrect because you don't refer to a, a person, a male person as it, you refer to a male person as he, because that is Jesus Christ that I'm referring to. Um, so uh, technically the first time I was accused of, of misgendering was when I referred to the Eucharist and a Catholic uh, corrected me. Um, mm. So that gave me the idea to write an article um, exploring the meaning of um, you know, transgender as a term. And I basically came to the conclusion that um, if, if a person can become a woman, if a man can become a woman by, by saying he is, that he is basically performing the same metaphysical act as a priest who is saying that a piece of bread is, has now become Jesus Christ Almighty. Uh, and this is the article that the colloquium co-coordinator, I'm pretty sure this is the one that the colloquium coordinator found um, because she said that I was denying the right of, of trans people to exist, which, you know, that's, right. that's the common one. Um, but yes, uh, basically I was also saying that, um, the uh, metaphysics at play um, in transubstantiation are uh, a substance metaphysics and Aristotelian substance metaphysics. So basically Aristotle came up with the notion of substance because he was trying to explain how an entity could remain the same while undergoing change. Um, so if you have say a person um, and they change their hair color, they change the way they dress, uh, they grow older, um, all of these like physical attributes are changing. So how do you know it's the same person? Well, because there's a substance, there's a Devon um, and mm -hmm. that Devon exists uh, apart from the attributes uh, that belong to it. So there's a, the difference between substance and attributes. Attributes can change, substance can uh, remain the same. So in transubstantiation, they basically say, well, what we have here is oh, instead yeah. the attributes remain the same and the substance changes, right? So you take transgenderism. Um, so the attributes can remain the same, right? The genitals, uh, you don't have to take hormones. You don't have to even get surgeries. Um, you don't have to change your voice. You can literally just be a heavily bearded, seven foot tall uh, wrestler. Um, believe that you're a woman, say that you're a woman. Well, the, then the substance is what's changed, right? Now, now you're substantially right. woman, even if your attributes are male right so i was like these concepts are actually extraordinarily similar yeah and then the, then of course the flip side is the people who say that they were always uh, a female even if they look like the, the seven foot tall football player um and or that it doesn't matter there that the, the, the transitioning therefore doesn't uh have any connection to the femaleness um because the you, you would still be a female even if you grew a penis is the generally the argument Exactly. So because oh. the gender, gender is substance, an invisible, immaterial right. substance. And right. so the attributes don't de, don't define it. Yeah, they don't. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah. of course, raises the question of then. So why, why do you need a phalloplasty? Why, why is that going to help? Exactly. And that was what I also did in the article was I said, well, you know, it, given this particular understanding of, of gender, um, then wouldn't it follow that, you know, you wouldn't then need to get surgeries? How could you affirm the gender if there is no intrinsic relationship between the substance and the attribute? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, then, then now, of course, we're getting into, to go back to the, the eunuch, the eunuch archives, uh, this, uh, this expansion of the concept of gender identity to include eunuch gender, uh, and, and how, how you are, um, you, you can identify as a eunuch prior to becoming eunuch. And therefore, it's a gender-affirming surgery to have your genitals completely nullified, is the term. In other words, removed, and you're left with a, a small hole. Uh, and and uh, so so the idea at that point, you know, we are pretty far down the slope towards uh, amputee fetish. 
because that's just amputee fetish you, you and, and, and trans disabled. So it's the idea that you can identify as having a disability and having no genitals as a disability uh, prior, prior to having that prior to actually undergoing the amputation. So how, how far are we from uh, uh, gender affirming uh, limb amputations at that point? Yeah. How much, how far are we from the people who want to be blind? Like uh, Drano Oedipus on uh, um, Dr. Phil who blinded herself with Drano. And, uh, and the end of uh, the lobster too, right? Blind yourself. Yeah. But the end of what's, lobster. what's weird is that there's this notion, they've created this ethical system where the only criterion uh, that determines whether something is good or not is whether you want to do it. Um, I find that, that that's, that's consistently the ethical system that, that I see proponents of gender employing. I, I also see um, proponents of BDSM sort of arguing along the same lines. Uh, there was actually a class at New York University on um, BDSM where one of the speakers was talking about um, extreme sadomasochistic fetishes. Also, um, you know, uh, fire play and burning people with fire, electrocuting them, cutting them with razors. Um, yeah, uh, severe beatings. Um, she even mentioned necrophilia and bestiality were two of her interests. And I just noticed throughout the whole conversation that the that the only thing that's determining whether something is good or bad in their ethical system is do do people want to do it? That is, do people do people take vo you know voluntary actions to do these things? Well, yeah. if they do, then it's good. And I'm like, I, I think you need to to work a little harder on on developing your ethics there. I don't think it's that's terrible. Gonna... <laughs> It is, it is, that's what happens when you have some kind of brain pathology that leads to these sexual proclivities, these, these sexual fetishes. And there's a reason they're comorbid and that's because there's an underlying brain structural change. And I don't know exactly what that is, but it's clearly related to some sort of addiction like reinforcement pathway. So it's just so fun, so unimaginably fun for them to pursue these fetishes and cross boundaries uh, that, that, that it literally replaces all other considerations in, in an ethical system. And, and they, they end up that preoccupied that, that, that it doesn't matter who they hurt. It doesn't like women need to understand. They don't care if, if their policies lead to a situation where you are being cut to pieces as long as they enjoy it. It's yeah. fine. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's there, there, there are people in our society that used to own other people and see no problem with it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they haven't gone away just because we've made that illegal. In fact, a lot of them are still doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it goes underground. It becomes repressed and maybe pops up on a few sicko subreddits. There was, there's, uh, there's, I mean, there's been cases where people will, will post and say, I, I want to be eaten. And then, and, and they've actually found people who wanted to eat them, who then ate them. And then, of course, later was, were discovered that, that they had done this. In March 2001, this man met an engineer from Berlin, took him home and killed him. Over the following months, with his victim's consent, he dined on his flesh. Uh, this dominatrix during this, this lecture, and I, I wrote a piece on this for, for W if anyone wants to, to go into more depth and see what exactly what they were saying during the lecture, but the dominatrix was saying that some of her submissives have trouble saying their safe word because they get so into the role of being a submissive. And so she said, this, this means that you have a special responsibility as a dominatrix to assess uh, what the effects of your abuse are um, and not just rely on the safe words. So she said, check their eyes, make sure if their eyes are glazing over or not. Um, you know, basically, are they, are they still alive? You know, that's, uh, you know, ask yourself that because they might not speak up soon enough. 
but it's, but they're fine. They're just it's, it's just a mental thing. They're just mentally in the role there. They stop being physical people who can be injured. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's it's ludicrous. Clearly, there's a compelling state interest in uh, preventing people from doing this sort of thing. Uh, if only because I don't want to pay for the disabilities that are going to result. I don't want to pay for it. You can't disable your friends. Sorry, mm-hmm. not not especially not for for to to get off. It's not a good reason. And I uh, mean, hopefully, hopefully there will be some litigation about this down the line. And yeah, that's, that's sort of where I see that's myself right. going because I will never get a position in academia. I will never be hired. I mean, I was even told directly. Um, I had a phone conversation with the person who sent me the disinvitation email, and he told me. I don't know how you could ever expect to receive academic appointment after writing those articles for 4W. And I'm like, I didn't because I'm leaving because academia sucks and law school, I think is the way to go. And unless they change the laws and make it so that you can consent to anything at any age, um, there should be some good litigation about this child abuse. Yeah. And they definitely have not changed the laws. Um, and, and, uh, they're trying to, mm-hmm. um, I, I really do think that the winds are going to change. Um, and, and uh, I, I wouldn't make predictions about what, what, what your higher ability in the next few, um, five years. Yes, probably you're not going to be hireable. Ten years, I don't know. I think things are going to be real different in ten years. I um, think so, too. The internet has completely changed the landscape for responding to these kinds of social problems. Um, uh, we managed to beat back lobotomy. And, and the reason is that eventually everybody had met somebody who had gotten a lobotomy. And then they were no longer in the dark about the fact that these were horrible surgeries being done by doctors who had no idea what they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was done to treat emotional illness usually for the same reason these, these surgeries are being done. It's yeah. to treat emotional illness. And so, so we, we um, are able to communicate about this so much faster and, and at such greater scales that I don't think we can reasonably predict uh, how long it will take to, to uh, overcome this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't Especially, think it will be as long as it took to overcome lobotomy. Hopefully. Yeah. And I mean, autism, there's, been obviously a link between autism and susceptibility to this ideology. Yeah, yeah, of course, because a core component of autism is that is both the sensory processing issues, meaning they're going to end up uh, distracted by parts of their bodies that are more sensitive than other parts because their brain's not able to regulate that very well. And which parts of your body are those? Well, you'd suppress your genitals. <laughs> those are pretty sensitive. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other component of autism would be the social pragmatic language issues. And if you don't understand uh, social pragmatic language, you are going to make a lot of conclusions about gender based on, on heteronormative, like cultural presentations of rom- romantic relationships. And as well as interpersonal interactions, you're going to, you're going to think that some things are more relevant than they are. You're going to overlook a lot of other things that would explain it. And your model's just going to be bad and right. might lead to a bad conclusion. Like I need to cut off my dick in order to uh, be butch or whatever. Right. And the thing is that, can we really say that these kids know that they are trans and uh if they are being inundated with all of these messages from the earliest ages because i i luckily um the first time in my life i remember uh you know pronouns even coming up with college but i'm wondering like i was very much a tomboy in fourth grade what someone have done to me now if i were in fourth grade now i didn't have those messages from birth thankfully no. um but it's possible that i could have been trans and yeah, exactly if somebody had had groomed you into thinking that yeah. that um like a man because of cultural stereotypes and maybe your cultural background was totally different than than the the dominant culture and so like that you were perceived as more masculine because you you were just raised with different expectations and uh someone at school targets you and grooms you 
and and tells you like that this is the way to not have to go through puberty to not have to grow up who doesn't want to be peter pan when they're when they're nine everybody wants to not grow up it's not it's it's a scary prospect and and they're being told oh, here's the fountain of youth in pill form it has no consequences it has consequences and, and I've, I've talked also that one of the things i think that they, that you know it's it's safe for children to be the size they are because they're still growing and they're not going to be that size forever it is not safe for dwarfs to be that small it's not safe for them it's actually bad they have they have like 10 times the risk of heart attack between 25 and 35 as a normal sized person they we didn't evolve to be that size we evolved to be the size that adults are and so it's dangerous to stunt someone's growth like that it's also dangerous, arguably, and this is why puberty blockers are sometimes given to, to for non-gender reasons, um, to allow somebody to grow up and be that short. Like there's reasons that we, we give them drugs to help them get taller, but it's usually not good. It's usually not good. They already have concluded that. That's why they're not routinely given. Mm -hmm. It's also dangerous to be unusually tall. Mm -hmm. so, and just... if, there are so many reasons too why a young girl might be tempted to avoid womanhood. Not e I mean, even if she's not a tomboy, suppose she's even very, very feminine, but she doesn't like, say, the strange sexual harassment that she gets on the street that start, for me, it started at 12. Um, yeah. Partly because I, I looked older than I was um, and I had, you know, my breasts had fully developed. And so I looked like more like I was 15, but still it's, it was like 11, 12, 13 for me. I mean, I've, I've, my We're friends. For young girls. Yeah. I, I, yeah, think, yeah. I think the, the reported statistics that, like, yeah, yeah um, they, they want to traumatize girls young and they also are amused by seeing how, how uh, many times we've been harassed before. In other words, they want to see how we react to it, whether, exactly. whether we're naive or, or jaded. It's, it's to remind you that they, what kind of woman we are. Exactly. And to remind you that they have power over you, that they could exert sexual domination yeah. over you if they so chose. And I've yeah. been sexually harassed when I was wearing a hoodie and sweatpants, pushing a grocery cart up a hill in 90 degree heat sweating. So, you know, it's mm -hmm. <laughs> this argument that, you know, it's because we're enticing men and, and they're responding to us uh, instinctively and, and or that they're um, somehow signaling interest to us. Like, no, it's, it's not. It's a power play. Yeah, they just they just uh, want to they see a woman and yeah. want to harass her, want to want to see how she reacts, want to have a moment of control of her emotions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's unacceptable. Exactly, um, and it's uh, reasonable to understand why a girl would want to escape into looking like a boy with with something like a binder, uh, and why that would that would take priority, and why why she wouldn't have the life experience to understand the damage that the constricting growing joints can have. If you even raise these points, the fact that some Ivy League school like Harvard can can ban you from their campus is it's just extraordinary to me. To me, they're they're simply feminist points. And I've been called alt-right. I've been called a bigot, a bigot, a reactionary, a conservative. And and I'm all I'm doing is saying the sorts of things that we're saying right now. And I mean, I'll I, I'll tell you that I would be shocked. If even if I got a perfect LSAT score, I got into Harvard. I, I seriously doubt it. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 it's. I'm I appreciate the fact that I was already through school when I started doing this, because my my program was uh, uh, speech speech pathology programs in general are impacted. Um, so I, I wonder whether that would have been been uh, disqualifying if mm -hmm. if this was a bigger thing then. Um, but I didn't really start questioning it until I was already most of the way through graduate school um, and had been in therapy for many years and just started to realize that, that this actually wasn't, this was a crutch and this was not, not, not um, that important 
and and more th other things are more important, like like right. helping other people, uh, and and uh, growing and bettering myself, right. and and uh, I didn't need to uh, amputate parts of my body in order to do that. Right. I can't believe that that was a serious consideration, not just for me, but like for for everyone in my social circle. At one time, it was just what we talked about. This is what everyone was doing. We had we had yellow onions on our belt, and we had mastectomies. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad I was raised by Style parents. At the time. I mean, my parents told me and to myself, yeah, as an as an individual. And so if I wanted to try skateboarding, it wasn't because I was a boy, it was because I just wanted to try skateboarding. I'm just a person. I'm just dead. Yeah. I don't have to be defined, you know, fundamentally by my my sex or the gender role that is assigned to my sex. I'm just a person that wants to skateboard. I don't see why that's that's controversial or complicated. Yeah. No, I, I I agree, and and from from my my earliest part of my life, you know, uh, uh, it was it was my 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 father and my grandfather especially were making sure that I was participating in a wide variety of physical activities, mm. and 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 sports. You know, I, I was never never left at home because I was the girl. It was it was always just like these these this life is here for you. We're gonna go show you it. So I was very fortunate that they both uh, believed in me and, and supported my exposures and, and development. So, Do you no, want to get into the contents of, of these letters at all? Because I feel oh, like yeah. you could make some excellent witty commentary sure. on some of the insane things that were said here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I can, if, uh, I, I think I might be able to share it. Uh, where is it? Um, which was the first one? Yeah. So just to, to quickly clarify, um, I was no, sent I three emails. Yeah, the first email was the disinvitation email, which came from one of the colloquium coordinators. Uh, mm -hmm. The other two emails were emails that this person forwarded to me from his co-coordinator, Aaron Saladin. Um, so Aaron Saladin is the one that really blocked the decision, although both co-coordinators indicated to me that they thought faculty would block them even if they still filled out the funding application for me. So they were pretty, both of them were pretty confident the faculty would would view my presence on campus as damaging to their reputation. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, if, if you turn on sharing, I can share. Otherwise, you, you can share your screen if you wanted to look at these. So this is the first email on a more difficult note, especially, if, and this is from Aaron yeah. uh, Saladin. Um, on a more difficult note, especially for a Friday evening, I just looked up Devin Buckley so I could see, list the right title affiliation on the application. And I noticed that she's on the board of a trans-exclusionary radical feminist organization. I also found at least one piece of her writing online that explicitly denies the possibility of trans identity. The work you described back in November sounded really interesting and great for us to discuss, but I can't ask for funding to invite a speaker who takes the public stance that trans people are dangerous or deceptive. It is deceptive to say you're a woman when you're a man. It is deceptive. <laughs> yeah, and, and some, some trans people are in fact dangerous. Uh, I, uh, I also don't understand how you are both denying the possibility of trans identity and making generalizations about trans people as a class. It sounds like her thinking is a little bit muddied there. Um, I realize it puts you in an awkward position to disinvite her if you were already in touch with her about it. My personal convictions aside, I think hosting her would signal the colloquium as a hostile place for community members who are trans. I also doubt that Deirdre and Jim will sign on to the application asking for funding for her visit. Yeah, especially not after you like trash her to them. Yeah, exactly. uh, look pretty bad for them in the department. <laughs> and then the other email is a bunch really of more arguments. really likes a small amount of power. 
Yep. And the other email is a bunch of arguments, um, I guess, that are meant One. to refute the entire corpus of my writing. Funny enough, most of the arguments that are in here, um, yeah. I had already responded to in the Encyclopedia of Bad Gender Arguments for Wolf. I basically just, if you go on there, it's just a giant list of mm -hmm. all of the stock phrases, all of the most common forms of BS that these people use, um, and then That's just great. counter arguments. So every point in this email, I had actually already written a response to in the encyclopedia. Yeah, and so it's, she's got some sloppy statistics about um, this these this group of undefined categories, uh, and then this other group that's undefined, uh, and and how likely each group is to experience sexual assault. Um, but there's no really the statistic mostly exists uh, to shame women and tell us that our what we experience isn't actually a big deal because we look too normal. Uh, that while sexual violence in prisons and jails is a huge problem, 60% of that violence is perpetrated by prison and jail staff, which is a great argument for prohibiting men from working in women's prisons too. Yeah, apparently uh, that, that would also exclude trans yeah. women from working in women's prisons, wouldn't it? So, and that's an acknowledgement that 30% of the violence is perpetrated by other prisoners, especially the male ones lately. Yeah, and a lot of the, the homicides of trans-identified males are done by men in the sex trade. Yeah. Uh, and claiming that we are, we are somehow scapegoating trans people when really we are, we are talking about male predators, some of whom identify as trans. And so we're not trying to keep trans men, the female ones, trans identifying females out of women's prisons. So we're not scapegoating trans people. I mean, it's just, this is just absurd. She wants, she likes to exert power. Um, and, and, uh, she likes to, to, uh, run her little tin pot, uh, uh, dictatorship, uh, from her, um, graduate student office. Uh, everything about, this email screams, I've never had to face any sort of real hardship in my life. I've been very comfortable since day one because, because this is just a very confused um, and, and uh, political screed. I don't know what else to call this. Um, and the ALOC reference, that, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> if anybody watching this is unfamiliar, Google that shit right now. A lock. Right. Google that. A right. <laughs> uh, who is? Uh, I, I believe he's he's made some some quite pedophilic uh, statements. Yes. Yes. The uh, the big controversial one was. Girls. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, he was going on about how um, people don't want trans-identified males in women's bathrooms, and he said, "Well, why do why do we suppose the innocence and purity of the victim here? Little girls were very kinky too." Google yeah. it. And, and so it's, it's uh, pretty incredible that this person who, who wants to talk about how kinky little girls are and how, how we don't need to protect them believes that he can speak on what's uh, inseparable from women's liberation. Uh, this is forced teaming to, to, to insist that, that we, we can't separate women from rapists. We actually can. Yeah. Uh, and she says right there that I made a false assumption in assuming that uh, where is it that uh, violence can't happen with within a gender group, as she puts it. So translation, I'm bigoted because I assume that men are more capable of and more likely to rape women than women are to rape other women. 
Which, which is a bit baffling because if, if we're saying that, that violence can occur within a gender group, wouldn't wouldn't that mean that trans women are a threat to non-trans women? Wouldn't they be in the same gender group? Isn't that the argument that they're the same gender group? Yeah. I don't what is she even saying? Her her strategy is to confuse and to not make uh not 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 uh clarify. Uh and, and she seeks to confuse because that gives her an edge where she can then establish and maintain control. Mm -hmm. uh, because she really doesn't bring a lot to the table. And the that's really the way that she can get ahead. Confusion is an excellent strategy because you can't argue against something that you don't understand. And that's the primary that's the primary goal of most of this movement is to become incomprehensible so that you can't argue yeah. with it. It's to create a new Latin um, mm -hmm. and to be the ruling class with an elite language that no one else can comprehend. Right, right. And therefore we need to just sort of have, comprehend faith, it. have faith yeah, exactly. in secular clergy. Yeah, exactly. They are, well, they are capable of truth, that they have truth and wisdom and we don't understand mm -hmm. it. We have to just give ourselves over to them because they are the, the clarity and they have the, the access to divine knowledge. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and uh, uh, I think this, at this point, it brings in uh, um, uh, the, the uh, contrast between um, uh, what, what Jordan Peterson would call a competence hierarchy uh, versus, versus just a social hierarchy that's not based on competence, uh, but is still dominance oriented. And so, so when you, you are using terminology that doesn't make sense and unclear statistics and this and that, it makes it easy for the people who are trying to exert control to see who is willing to defer, even though they don't understand. And uh, that allows them to establish a hierarchy that's not based on people understanding, but is based on uh, deference mm -hmm. in order and, and, and a pecking order. Uh, I'm not a fan of those hierarchies. Some of, the, some, run of, by stupid people. Mm -hmm. some of the word choices too, like the, the sound bites and the buzzwords, they, they effectively function as like gestures of, of sort of dominance that like when she says, oh, black women, do you know that black women are, are more likely to be assaulted? And the, that's actually not like part of any kind of substantial argument. It's just, oh, I said black women. Therefore, like you have to now assume a posture of deference to me because I use these magical words. Um, and now you have to recognize yeah. that I am in the superior power position. It, it, yeah, I think that there's something to that because in, in the context of her argument, it didn't, it didn't really make a lot of sense. Why in fact, she was it's actually an argument for why men shouldn't be in women's prisons, because if prisons are disproportionately represent, you know, disproportionately filled with black women and black women are more likely to be sexually assaulted, then why would it follow that you should put men in with those women? Why would that follow? Right. The, yeah. Say that, that, that black men are at equal risk as black women if they feel like women. And that's obviously not not true. And it's obviously something that a sexual predator who wanted to gain access to black women in the cage to hurt them would say yeah they would they would but, pretend to be fearful to manipulate but why why we now have harvard phd students advocating for this i that i don't know that that's what blows my mind because because they've, they've they've achieved a degree of, of uh, status in the social hierarchy by uh uh internalizing and, and then regurgitating these uh uh religious arguments these talking points um that don't make sense so that that she she literally I don't think she can conceptualize the idea of of having authority for a legitimate purpose. So so it's just about uh, she maintains her own authority by helping to uh, exclude and marginalize others that would perhaps be competitors mm -hmm. to her authority. Yeah. Now I can't. And by something else, and that's why she went looking for your turf associations. Yeah. Why was I googled? Right. I just needed to know how to write her title and I forgot her email address so I couldn't just ask her. Yeah, 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 yeah.
that, that, I mean, that sounded like she's manipulating. She's clearly used to manipulating and then covering her tracks and thinking that no one can tell. Mm-hmm. But also, no. still but naive because she's putting. Her, she's put it all out there. Put it in writing. Put it in writing. As if it's not going to come back on her someday, Aaron Saladin. Somebody it is because it's in the news now, so it did come back. Great. Um, so we were just going to finish up. We were talking about Aaron Saladin being bad. Here's here's the opposite of Aaron Saladin. Aww, so Aww. cute. He's so perfect. He's so perfect. So cute. Hey, I got a dog. Let me bring my dog. Jenna. Jenna. Come here, girl. I gave her a bone so she might not show. Jenna. Come here, baby. Come here, baby. Yes. I have another cat somewhere. Where is she? Hey, here she is. Here she is. Come on up. Come on up, girl. Here. Aww. Do you identify as a cat? Do you identify as a cat? I hear her. I hear her chirping. Uh-huh. Sometimes she passes out after she eats. She's uh-huh. like, my my dog identifies as the dog that hasn't given food yet all the time. Yes, Jenna. You always need dog. Come here, Lulu. Are you stuck? <laughs> I hear her meowing over there. She's stuck. Uh-huh. She's a got a disability, so she does sometimes get stuck places. Aw. My cat has wedged himself in side cupboards in the kitchen. I've opened drawers and he's just been in there. Jenna. But I agree with you. I think the tide is turning. I mean, to end with some good news at least, yeah. I will be flying to Las Vegas to go to this amazing uh, conference funded in part by Kim Jones uh, called Icons. Um, and it's basically to advocate for female athletes and oh. to talk about how athletics and a fair play in athletics, specifically excluding men from women's sport, is important to the self-esteem of girls. It's important for their ability to get scholarships. It's important to their general mental health and well-being and to, and yeah, and their safety. And the safety. And say, the I don't feel comfortable changing in front of this guy. I don't think yeah. he's. I think he's gonna grab me or something when he when I start to change. So I'm we do. I mean, out. we have people on our side that are high profile people. Um, we have Martina Navratilova and even Brett Favre made some remarks about how it was unfair for males to compete against females. Fox News, of course, covered that. We all have to go to Fox yeah, News yeah. now, right? Which helps feed the narrative that we are part of the right wing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's like okay, I I'll know. watch the women's sports stuff and then I tend to click off. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, how are they right about this and then the other stuff? Exactly. Exactly. Stuff. And I mean that's that strategy of false dichotomy is so important politics, right? Mm-hmm. Um you have to make sure that there's no third way, right? You you either have to be a right. reactionary, usually Christian right winger, or you have to be on board with this. You have to be on board with the gender movement movement. Um and every other you know thing that makes you you woke or whatever or socially yeah. just or whatever whatever the phrases of preferences um and we have to disrupt that false dichotomy and one way to do it is to have conferences that are explicitly nonpartisan, non-denominational mm-hmm. um and kim jones made that point to me too she said i don't want uh, you know it's unfortunate that the adf alliance defending freedom um which is a you know very christian organization uh 
is the one that's that's taking on a lot of these cases in defense of, of female athletes. And and I want to create a conference. She said, I want to create a conference where we realize that that you can you don't have to be any religion. You could you could be Christian, you could be Hindu, you could be Buddhist, you could be atheist, you could be whatever you want, and realize it's not fair for men to compete against women. That that's it. That's it. It doesn't have to we have to break up the false dichotomy because that's yeah. that's feeding the, the media, that's feeding the strategy, that's helping the, this movement win. It's helping the gender movement. Yeah. Win. You know, ultimately, yeah. I feel it comes down to uh, the the they both see women as property. It's the left sees women as public property. The right sees women as private property. And that's where uh, why, why we have some overlap is that both the right and the left and, and feminists rather um, object to women as public property. And that's why we sign up together. But it's not because we agree with the rights belief that we should be private property. Instead, mm-hmm. uh, we don't think women should be property. We believe women should be liberated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because even when I, I was on this show, um, very right wing show, um, John Bachman show, because he platformed me. Um, but the first thing he said to me about the Harvard cancellation is, oh, you, you're from Women's Liberation Front. We both believe uh, in affirming gender roles. And I was floored. I was like, how do how do I respond to this? Um, <laughs> and I said, no. Uh, Women's not actually, a role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I also he liked it when I said I want to live in a free society. But what I wanted to say, if I had more than like, you know, a few minutes with him is, well, for me as a feminist, part of living in a free society, and I know that's the soundbite that you guys like, is not having a gender role imposed on me, right? So if if you really are libertarian, individualistic, all these other things that you say you are, and you believe in liberty, um, and that's, that's for you, American values, then wouldn't you see feminism, my type of feminism, as actually an extension of those uh, quote unquote American values, because I just don't want anybody telling me, no, you should be this way. This is your personality. These are your preferences. These are your talents. This is how you should dress. This is how you should look. This is how you should talk and think, walk, et cetera, Mm -hmm. because you're female. No, wouldn't the culmination of, of, of American individualism and, and live and, you know, the, the pursuit of Liberty and happiness would be that I don't have to live by gender roles. Wouldn't it? But I don't know. If they're going to be consistent with their rhetoric, they can't say we want to return to tra- traditional gender roles, but we want to live in free society. Like, <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's, who's freedom? Yeah, who's freedom? Yeah, how is that freedom? You're telling, you're constricting me. It's not freedom. So, um, I find mm-hmm. I find that amusing. That that's one of the contradictions on the right, and both sides have their contradiction. True, and then they uh, uh, there's there's unfortunately just a lack of. Uh, uh, consideration for women's perspective that, that mm-hmm. underlines this. So if, you know, I, I don't think that they've ever given that much serious uh, consideration to the perspective of women. So, so they do it, exactly. they walk around with these intense contradictions mm-hmm. for what they want uh, citizens to experience and what they want um, the sex class to experience. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't really see us as equal citizens on, on the level that we need to be seen as for these policies to be revealed to be garbage. So exactly. Exactly. We have to keep asserting ourselves and, and letting people know that we are not them. Yep. And we have to not be intimidated. I mean, I found it amazing that Aaron Saladin said, I'd be willing to talk to Devin on the phone. In her mind, in the arrogant mind of ideologues, they're so right and they're so pure that you, you should just realize that you deserve to be punished and repent and come back to them. Like she she's the priest, basically. There's no, there's and no I can come back and confess confess except there's no uh there's actually no forgiveness in this religion though like when you sin you, there's nothing you can do about it right um in some ways like they're they're more puritanical than they are 
Catholic, but uh, she's just telling me like, come and confess and repent. And um, I will reeducate you over the phone. We, you know, we, <laughs> we she really thinks she really thinks that I'm, I would take that offer up. I, I can't believe that, but I think in her mind, she really truly believes that I would, I would take her up on that offer. There, there's there's a kind of person that really a true believer, I suppose, who who genuinely cannot imagine somebody understanding their position without agreeing with it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I, I don't disagree with that because I do believe that there is there is a degree of truth, but or who, who won't disagree with it unless they're bad. But I feel like that the, the the arrogance of believing that you have found it, mm -hmm. I, that's something I can't relate to. It's a, it's a revelation. It's a, a revelation and, you know, they've, they've had some kind of private revelation and uh, they are, they are the authority because of it, because they just say so. Yeah. Um, uh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that, that you um, uh, are, are uh, trying to uh, make this well known uh, and, and not, not just kind of a, uh, internalizing that, that you were bad and this, this punishment is just in some way. Instead yeah, of no, I, trying to let I really, it's really messed up. I really appreciate you boosting this a bit because people need to know about this. This is the, the only tool that we have against them is, is to basically show everyone what's going on. And they luckily made the mistake of telling me what they were doing, because I'll tell you in most cases, when somebody gets canceled in academia, it doesn't go to the news because they're more clever about it. They go, mm. well, Oh, suddenly we don't have funding anymore or suddenly your research oh we don't really like your research anymore or or your mm -hmm. research doesn't really good fit in this colloquium we actually sort of changed what the colloquium is about luckily mm -hmm. harvard made it quite clear what they were doing guarantee yeah. you 90 percent of the time they don't do that so they gave yeah, us no, yeah very, they very gave us the ammunition time, yeah. so thank you very much yeah. and and uh, mm -hmm. hopefully um if you can link people to the the Wolf blog, there's the original disinvitation email, my my letter to Harvard as a response, and a, a webinar where I go over in, in some more detail the, the contents of the emails and my response to them. So thank you very That's much. Really and I, I really hope that you're able to um, uh, get into a law school yeah, so that you can hopefully. continue this work. Hopefully. And thank yeah. you so much and also keep, for your work with Wolf. And keep uh, making good videos. personal sacrifice that, that you've had to make in order to do this work with Wolf. Uh, and the consequences for, for other aspects of your life that you've taken on uh, in order to defend women. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for your videos. Keep going. <laughs> thank you. All right, take care. Bye.